Dion Mandel, Tibetan Bowl Sound Healing, 6,000 Years of Sound Energy Healing. This is episode 119 on Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. Hi, I'm Kim Shea, your host for this episode of Alternative Health Tools, coming to you from this side of the pond here in Southern California on a gorgeous day in January 8th, 2021, and I have the privilege of speaking to Dion Mandel today. She is a sound healing practitioner. She's also an author of a book that I'll give you the contact information for so you can find it. She's also the owner of the Tibetan Bowl Sound Healing School. Welcome, Dion. Thank you so much for being here today. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Oh, you're also, your book is an international book awards winner. That's that's really cool. I saw that on there. And so your book is called Ancient Sounds for a New Age. Correct. What I like about that, just the title is that a lot of times people think that the things that we're all talking about and exploring are new age, woo woo, but they've been around forever. And I assume this practice has also been around forever too. It's been around for a long, long time. And as is so current, so often happens in the West is that we need to bring in the proof, the scientific proof that something that has been working for thousands of years is really working. And that's what happens. (laughs) Yeah, we're very scientific, I guess. And good. It's fine. It's nice though. You have it validating, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell me about your background. How did you get into this? Where do you come from? Tell us about yourself. Um, I am from a French and American family. I was brought up bilingual and crossing back and forth to the south of France. So I was, as, as a young age, I was introduced to a lot of different languages around me, the music of language, uh, and did a lot of traveling And I lived in Europe for many years. And when I moved back to the States, I have a background in theater and dance, which has a lot of music in it. And my work career, aside from that, has been, I was a Chamber of Commerce director in Western Massachusetts, where I lived for about 20 years, and then the regional director of Western Massachusetts for the American Cancer Society. And I really was very interested in helping people to change. Change management was very important to me, especially working with staff. And I decided that I wanted to do something a lot more visceral than management. And I went to polarity school and learned how to do energetic healing work through this wonderful modality called polarity therapy and also coaching transformational coaching. And at the point where I was ready to just really break off from my job at the Cancer Society and go full-time into the polarity work, I was introduced to Tibetan bowls. And when I had a session with Tibetan bowls, it literally blew my mind. It was so powerful. And I decided that I really needed to integrate and learn how to work with these 
instruments that are, you know, so, so old. And so that's what I did. I studied with my teacher on the East Coast for two and a half years as his private student and traveled to Nepal. Later on, I traveled and taught on the borders of Tibet and I taught in India. And I moved to Southern California to start uh, practice. And when I was practicing, I found that now this was in 2000. And I found that First of all, I was one of the very, very few people in the country doing this work. And practically nobody knew what a Tibetan bowl was in 2000. So I decided that instead of only doing one-on-one healing work, I wanted to do something that would educate more people. And that's when I started doing concerts and traveling pretty much around the country doing concerts. And from that And there were educational concerts, so it wasn't just entertainment and well-being. It was actually teaching people about the instruments and about the modality of sound healing. So that happened for many years. And in 2008, what often happens in this country is something that's really cool becomes like it explodes. And all of a sudden, so many people were getting bowls and declaring themselves practitioners. And I was horrified at what I was seeing. So decided then that I would start a school to create a high standard of practitioners. And so that's when I started in 2008, I opened probably, I think it was the first actual school in the country that was focused on Tibetan bowl sound healing. And I've been teaching since I've trained hundreds and hundreds of students, gone on to write the book that you talked about, Ancient Sounds for a New Age, that focuses on healing, but specifically on healing with these instruments. But the first half of the book is really about what one needs to bring to the modality and to to really any healing modality to be an effective practitioner. And I'm not using the word healer. Because the healer is, I believe that the healer is the client. And my job as a practitioner is to reawaken that understanding that they are the ones that are the healers. And I'm helping to guide them back to that memory. Wow, you're amazing. Let me ask you a couple of questions here. So you talk about, first of all, I'm going to go way back. You talk about that you're a polarity healer. And I have not heard that term before until I read your book. What is a polarity healer? No, a polarity practitioner. A polarity practitioner, yes, sorry. Thank yes. You. Dr. Randolph Stone is the man that created this modality of understanding that we have positive and negative energies in our body, electrical energies and poles in our body. And it is really all about creating and rebalancing the elements in our body to come to a place of well-being. And it's a wonderful modality because it takes from, there's some reflexology, there's some channeling, there's some touch therapy, there's some nutritional information. So it sort of takes from a lot of other modalities and creates a, a practice where we use a lot of different techniques to bring a person into a, a balanced state of well-being and add the bowls to that that brings in the dimension of sound it's very very powerful and my practice is 
is really an integration of both energy medicine and sound medicine. Okay. Okay. I understand. In your book, you talked about seeing the medicine Buddha during your first, that was your first sound bowl experience. And so you said he was blue. Yes. So not at that point, I really didn't know anything about Tibetan Buddhism. You know, I knew just tiny bit about it. I knew who the Dalai Lama was and all of that stuff, but I had not delved into it. I didn't understand. I didn't know the philosophies. So there was really no way of me knowing. And during the session, I had this big blue Buddha presiding over me. And I came out of the session and I said to Richard, I said, well, when I could talk again, I said, this was incredible. But the whole time there was this big Buddha over me, but I think he was sick because he was blue. And Richard laughed and said, that's the blue, that's the medicine Buddha, the blue Buddha. And so this was a sign for me that I really had to learn the modality that the medicine Buddha was coming to me and saying, do this. It was really powerful. Wow. That is powerful. I mean, you're being asked to do something. That's pretty neat. That's really special. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really a neat story. So you said you were in the East Coast, you came to Southern California, and this is kind of random. This just came up to my mind while you were talking, but I know there's been some conversation I've heard from other practitioners that Southern California seems to be kind of a drawing place for people that are drawn to come and do this type of healing or teaching or um, spiritual things. Is that something that you felt that you were drawn to, or did you come for the weather? Well, I did come for the weather. I, I could not stand one more snowstorm, shoveling snow. A lot of my childhood was raised in the south of France during the summers. And so I had that Mediterranean, strong Mediterranean streak in me. So I really, really wanted to get away from the East Coast. And I looked for where was the best weather in the country? And it was here in San Diego Mm -hmm. area. So the other part of it was I was always longing to come to California. I didn't know why really watching beach babes and, (laughs) and surfers, you know, all that all seemed cool, but it also seemed like California was a very progressive place. And that was also a draw. But I think Mm. the first draw was the weather. And (laughs) I have to say that compared to the East Coast, the East Coast feels like a beautiful botanic garden with the glass on it. And coming to California, the ceiling just disappeared. So Mm. it was like the sky opened up and I was in it and there was no sense of boundaries. That's a beautiful image that you just described. I like that very much. I've lived here my whole life. I love it. So you talk about that you started a school because this practice was opening up to where people were just thinking, I'm going to go get some sound bowls because I've even listened to sound bowls on YouTube and, and it's a just a lovely experience. And then there's a shop not too far from me and that's all it has in it is sound bowls and it's beautiful. And they've got the beautiful lighting coming down on the sound bowls and they're all really beautiful. And so, yeah, your first instinct is I could do that myself. But then I was reading, you were saying that there are problems with working with people that new students need to work with healthy people because you have to know 
which direction to raise or lower the vibrations. Am I understanding that correctly? Well, as everything that looks easy and simple, this is very complex. And one of the things that I'm very stringent about is the honoring of the culture that these instruments come from. It comes from Tibetan Buddhist culture, and the instruments are a way of spreading that culture. And I mean, that the philosophies of Tibetan Buddhism. So some of the very strong, may fundamental principles of Tibetan Buddhism are, is the interrelationship of all things. So, which is very different to Western medicine, which can just fix, you know, you just fix one thing. And in Tibetan Buddhism, we have, when we're working, we have to understand that we might be working on islands of a person's body, but always in the context of the wholeness. So never, never forgetting that whatever condition is coming up, there's a spiritual, an emotional, a physical, and a cognitive part of that that manifest as whatever, cancer or heartache or whatever it happens to be. So as practitioners, if you just take a bowl and put it on somebody's body and start hitting it beautifully, yeah, they might get relaxed, but that's not resolving any of the issues. And they can because they are so powerful. So there are principles of working with sound. That's what I teach in the school. I teach the principles of working with sound, how sound actually moves, how to direct it to move and what the tools are. There are in the sacred sound family, there are several tools besides the bowls. There's a tool called tingshas that is a tool that, a sound tool that awakens energy and another tool that moves energy. And the bowls are here to align energies. And so once you've worked with the first few tools and move the energies around, then they come into harmony, they come into alignment. So a lot of people who don't understand the modality very well think that I always say the instruments do not a practitioner make. You can have wonderful instruments and you can do harm with the instruments. And I can tell you that because I've gotten a lot of calls from students who have not paid enough attention to what I was saying or were practicing in a certain way. And all of a sudden, their practice partner got hives or things like that. So I think it's important to really know not only what you're doing, but know how you're doing what you need to do. We work a lot with sacred geometric patterns. So there's just a lot entailed in working with the instruments. That going out and getting a bow and playing and striking it or singing it is not really all that effective. Okay. But like you said, you could be relaxed by it, but that's not necessarily you're going to experience healing by it. If you relax, it's healing. The bar is so much lower than what you are able to do. Okay. Honestly, an orangutan can strike a bowl in a pattern. Okay. Yeah, I get what you're saying. No. And I think it's good to make it clear that this is something that is, it's taught, it's learned, and there's something very sacred about it. And so it's not a toy. Right. Yeah. So in your book, you have some pictures of cotton that is being exposed to 
the healing practice to the sound. And so I can see that there's actual changes happening on those pictures based on the sound that it's hearing. And you also mentioned water studies, which I've heard of before that water responds to different vibrations and it actually changes structure. You can see it. So what is happening in the body then? Are you, it's like if somebody comes to you and they say, I've got cancer, then you are playing the bowls in a certain way to elicit certain motions within the body to induce healing or what is actually happening? So, Every bowl has a whole range of harmonics. And I, as a practitioner, am listening to the harmonics. And I know what the full range of harmonics are on any given bowl that I have, that I've been working with for many years. So when I place that bowl on or near somebody's body, it's reflecting back to me through sound, through its harmonics, what is going on. Okay? I can't say, um, well, this is what's happening in your cells, but I can say that certain things are happening. For example, if I put a bowl on somebody's heart and none of the high harmonics are coming out, I know that there's a blockage and that there's some opening that is needed. And I have to know how to get that bowl to return to its fullness of voice. So I have to know how to do that. And not only do I have to know how to do that, because if I have bowls on somebody's body and I get each of them in tune, and when I say in tune, each of them into its own fullness of voice, then I have to also make sure that it talks to the other bowls. That's the part of working with islands and with the continent. That is like in a symphony, every instrument has to be tuned correctly to itself, but then it has to work well with the other instruments Mm -hmm. to create a harmonic. And that's what I'm doing. I'm creating that harmonic symphony. What's happening inside the body is the brain waves are being balanced, right and left brain wave. The heart rate and the respiratory rate and the brain waves are starting to dance together. They're beginning to harmonize. And that cardiorespiratory synchrony is like the, the most important thing for healing to happen. Those vibrations in the body have to be working together. That's where the healing starts to happen. So if you can take a a photograph, you can see that even the blood flow begins to change. The blood begins to flow more evenly and the blood cells become more as they're supposed to be. But that's not the only thing that's happening. Because when somebody goes into a very, very deep, tasmic, meditative state, That is a place where I can start to help them work with their belief systems. Because as I said, the interrelationship of all things, it's not only stuff on a physical level. The stuff on the physical level will help very, very much modulate the stress that has created some of the physical things. And stress is a stress to be, to even have 20 minutes where you don't feel any stress 
is an incredibly healing thing for anybody. But then to be able to begin to see what your own psychological, emotional blind spots are, to become aware of those things, to be able to change your perception, to change your perspective of what's going on, to change all of those things starts to empower you to be able to act on them. We cannot, we cannot release what we don't own. So this is a modality that works on those aspects in relationship to persons. So perception shifts. When your perspective shifts, your vibration shifts, right? When your vibration shifts, that starts a, a different pattern within your body. So these are things that are all contributing to the healing. That's amazing. It's such a skill. And it, when you use symphony, it just that's all I could picture in my head is you're conducting this whole orchestra and it's all got to be done right. It's a wonderful visual. I've never experienced it, to be honest with you. I was going to say, let me give you a quick little, I'm going to play a, a bunch of those after, but I just want to show you how the kinds of things we're working not only with patterns of sacred geometry. We're not only working with sound of a beautiful bowl. We're also working with things like how different the nuances are between pace and volume and rhythm. So many of my students are not really aware of how strongly pace and volume and rhythm affects their clients, their practice partners. For example, if I have this bowl, I can play it. Tell me just different. Play it like this. So that is, you know, that's pretty loud, and that's playing a, a strong pace uh, and rhythmic pattern. And how different that might be to this. Wow. Feel that in your body? Yeah, quite a different effect. Yeah. So it's very important to know what nuance to mm. play to work with any specific condition. Someone with anxiety is going to need a whole different range of textures of sound mm. than someone who you know, who spends a lot of time procrastinating and needs a little bit of energizing, right? Yes, yes. There's so much spiritual artistry to this and, and engineering in a way where you're just trying to get everything just right so the person experiences what they need to experience. It's really impressive to understand what goes into it. I have a question then. So I assume you're not doing things in person too much right now, or maybe you can if it's physically distanced, but... So if somebody were to listen virtually to what you're doing, is it the same effect? Obviously, you can't put the bowl on a person because they're not there, but can they achieve and experience some healing even though it's virtual at this time? They can, but cellular memory kicks in most effectively when you, I mean, it's very different. It's an auditory experience versus having the bowls that are vibrating on your body and feeling the physical vibrations of the bowls on your body so it's different and if you have a session where you felt the bowls and then have 
just a digital session or something, that's more effective than never having had the bowls on a body. Not any different than going to a live concert or just listening when you are. Yeah. Yeah. What a shame. But we'll get there again where people can get in to see practitioners like you. I'm looking forward to it for sure. So my question was, I went to a gong session with somebody and she had these two enormous gongs. And sometimes, like most people, when I'm meditating, it's hard to shut off the monkey mind Mm -hmm. and, and come detached. It was not even possible to think. I couldn't make a thought happen because it was like sound was literally washing through my brain and flooding it. I could not have a thought. And then when the session was over, I had a hard time speaking for quite a while. And I had my son with me and I was trying to explain stuff to him and I couldn't find the words that. So if you're doing this session, how do you stay alert or um, mentally aware? You sounds like you're trying to orchestrate everything and you're having to think, but these sounds are happening. How do you do what you do while still hearing all of these sounds and not um, losing your focus? Well, a lot of practice. The sounds are affecting me as well, but I am not lying down. I am, I'm being active and you're not. So I have an activity that I'm doing. When I'm working, people always ask me this, this question when I'm doing concerts and they say, what is it that you feel when you're doing a concert? Well, I have certain structures that I work with that are not that different than the structures that I work with for one-on-one sessions because it's a group. It's a little bit different, but there are certain structures to bring a person into a meditative state. And I can use those same structures to bring a whole room into a meditative, quiet, you know, I know how to bring the energy down in a room and, and how to bring the energy up in a room. But I've done those enough so that I don't have to think about what exactly I'm doing. It's second nature at this point, right? But Mm -hmm. what it feels like is a prayer flowing through me. That's what it always feels like. What a neat experience then for you too. You're still having a nice experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And as a one-on-one, I'm there as a witness to my client. And so the bowls are giving me sound information, but I'm watching them. I'm looking at their breath. I'm looking at, I'm very active as well. Do you have any stories that you want to share of healings that you've been able to witness or facilitate? I know you're not doing the healing, but anything special that comes to mind? Well, as I said, one of the things that, One of the things that I think is the most powerful about healing is the ability to help shift somebody's perspective from being a victim of to being a witness of their experience. And when you have something like cancer and there's a lot of pain involved, it's very important to be able to work with your condition and to recognize that you are not You are not that condition. You are much, much more than that condition. So I've had, oh, there's so many. I'm just trying to think of one that would be like the most 
effective or poignant for the group that's listening to this. And one of my clients who had a very advanced state of cancer was stomach cancer. I worked with him and I actually gave him some extra sessions for free because he was in a really bad state and wasn't working. And he had stomach cancer. And in the course of the system that I have to get into core issues with people, one of the things that he said was that he didn't just detest his mother, he abhorred his mother. Well, anybody who works in the healing and works with chakras knows that the stomach and the sacrum, that area where he had cancer, is the very feminine part of the body and is symbolic of the divine feminine and and is symbolic of repressed emotions. And he had no idea that holding on to these emotions was contributing to his his illness. He also was very angry with his doctors. He was just so negative. And after about a fourth session, I told him that I always establish a partnership. I never work harder than my clients. So I established that partnership with him. And I said, look, if you want me to continue working with you, the next time you walk over my threshold, I want to hear some positive things. I want you to start focusing on what is working in your life, not just you've got cancer and your doctors are horrible and all these things. Also, his medication, he sweat so much at night because of his medication. He had to get up and change his clothing like four times a night. Oh, boy, so, poor guy. The poor guy. He came to my sessions because it was the only time that he could actually rest. So in one hour, he got more rest than he did in a whole night. And the next time he came in, his shoulders were back, his head was up, and he said, I realize that all these people I'm working with are trying to help me. It's not comfortable. It's not fun, but they're not working against me. So his perception through through the whole range of work, and then we were able to start working on releasing his animosity towards his mother. Mm. Because you can't just cut a piece of somebody out. If the core, if the belief system and the issue has not been healed, it will just pop up as a different condition. So we worked to do that. So that's one, I think that's one area that touched many of the different parts of what I'm talking about. That's amazing. I'm amazed that he was even drawn to come see you in the first place, but there must have been something that pulled him there, that there's some glimmer of hope there. We all have a diamond self. You know, I worked for uh, quite a while with returning veterans, incarcerated veterans in the jail system. And I think the most important part of working with these instruments was that for the time I was there and playing, 
they were able to tune into that part of themselves that came in as perfect mm-hmm. and was always there, no matter what happened. That diamond was always there, unobstructed. And what we needed to do was remove all the sabotaging information, belief systems, behaviors that prevented them from remembering. And that is the most beautiful part of working with these instruments is helping to reconnect people to their diamond self, to that part of themselves that is still as innocent and beautiful as a, as a baby coming in. So beautiful really is what you do is so beautiful. It's such a gift. Yeah. And so did you want to play something? Sure. For us, that would be such a treat. Thank you. It's so lovely. It's just so lovely. Thank you so much. How many bowls do you have? Oh, probably about 25. Usually at, at a time, you usually are working with 25 bowls? Well, when I'm doing a private session, I'm working with 13, um, maybe 15 bowls. When I'm doing a concert, I'm working with 25 and gongs and chimes and other sound instruments. That's amazing. What an art. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Well, it's an honor to be playing with these instruments. Yeah. And are they old? Are your instruments old or they've been made for you? No, they are at least 120 years old. Oh, gosh. That's really special. Probably the youngest, you know, and they probably, some of them probably are 17th century. I also work with uh, the ancient bulls. So other people have played them before you. Oh, monks in Tibet. You know. Wow. <laughs> that is an honor. That's really neat. Yeah. And that's Gosh. also why I think it's so important to have these instruments and 
know the heritage and know the philosophies, what they're teaching, mm-hmm. what their what their task is, and you know, not just use them arbitrarily. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I've learned a lot from talking to you today about this whole art form, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate your knowledge, and you're a very good teacher. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been an honor, truly. So, Dion, I'll put your website on here onto our show notes so listeners can find that, and also the the link to your book so people can get a copy of that book. It's a very nice read. I started it and I was not able to finish it completely before today, but it's a very readable text. It, you do a very good job at explaining everything. So thank, thank you. you. Do you also have videos? I have workshops and I have CDs and things like that. Okay. And that and can all be found on your website. Instruments that we sell here. Okay. So that can all be found on your website. Correct. Okay. I'm sure you're going to inspire some people here in the UK. So thank you so much. Really, it was an honor. Thank you. So I just want to thank all of you who listened today and let you know that you can catch this podcast, Alternative Health Tools, anywhere you get your podcasts. And please consider coming by alternativehealthtools.com and leave us a message. You can actually press a button on there and leave us a message and tell us what you thought about this podcast or anything else you'd like us to talk about. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Dion Mandel. I really appreciate your time today. Okay. Take care. Produced by Heard Not Seen Media, visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information. 